Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Former friendly low, welcome to Loving Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Ben Wilson, who does great work over at Beeson. On top of that, his play-by-play work is second to none as well as he's going to be starting to do some work for the G League team that's out here in lovely Las Vegas. But today we're talking baseball with him. We're going to be taking a look at some of these hot postseason races that we are seeing, especially the one in the NL East. We're going to be taking a look at a few critical series that are going to be going down this weekend as well. So we're going to have a great chat with Ben in segment number two. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis out of every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast, and you've got one or two ways to be able to put this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but today's recap is going to be brought to you by Prop27 and DraftKings. Vote yes on Prop 27 because half the country already allows online sports betting for adults 21 years or older, and now we've got to get California in on the action. There's no good reason why folks in places like Chicago, Portland, Phoenix, New York, Boston are able to bet online. Meanwhile, Californians, they have to deal with the shady bookies. They're left out in the cold. Prop 27 helps out with this, gets California online. So vote yes on Prop 27 and Vote yes to take a look at everything that we want to see in Major League Baseball on Friday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm as cold as an igloo when it comes to these ZK Nation picks, and we found that out on Friday when the Milwaukee Brewers came back from down 5-0. The New York Yankees take a big, giant lead, and then from there, it goes down the toilet bowl. 
this should mean that there's a good hot stretch is coming soon. So always look at the positive. And I mean, overall, the picks have not been bad, but these DK Nation write-ups, it's as if someone put a hex on them. As you had the New York Yankees go 2 of 11 with men in scoring position. They did a great job getting it. Adrian, don't call him Doogie Elzer. Gives up five runs, four of which were earned in three innings. He was terrible. And then a bullpen for the Brewers that has been up and down and masterful performances. Taylor Rogers does allow a solo run to Josh Donaldson, his 14th of the campaign, but he also did wind up having Peter Serzelski, Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams. All provide a scoreless setting. Hobie Milner, Justin Topa, they combine for two scoreless settings. The Brewers, they go 4 of 16 with men in scoring position with Willie Adamas. Going deep off of one, Frankie Montas for his 29th home run season. Montas, he gives up that home run, four runs in total over the course of three and a third innings. From there, Domingo Herman and Greg Weisert combined for two scoreless settings. Lucas Lukey gets it out of the bullpen. Juani Peralta and out of the bullpen. Lou Trevino, Jonathan Luizaga, they both give a scoreless setting before Clay Holmes. Unable to hold it down in the ninth inning and get it to the tenth. He allows one run while getting a pair of outs. Lots of close games as well on Friday. As I believe that in total we saw nine games decided by one run with the St. Louis Cardinals being one of the most important of them. They wind up keeping pace with the Milwaukee Brewers and they keep their lead at a pretty sizable margin. Six of five. They take down the Cincinnati Reds as Kyle Farmer does go deep off of Jojo Romero for the Reds. 12th home run of the season and bigger than that, Albert Pujols' home run. His 19th of the campaign, 698 for him. He winds up going deep off of the young gun, Reynal Espino. And Espino gave up three runs and two in the third innings for what was a bullpen game for the Reds. Says you got five outs from Fernando Cruz. The opener, Revier San Martin, gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Derek Law, he goes a scoreless inning. And Dordi Maretta gets five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. But Ian Gabo, Joe Kuno, they combine for two-thirds of an inning. Gabo gives up two runs in the process. And for St. Louis, not the start that they were looking for from Captain Jack Flaherty. Four runs given up in five innings, but bullpen at his back. Romero gave up that home run in two-thirds of an inning, but Zach Thompson, Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley all provide a scoreless inning. Chris Stanton gets an out out of the bullpen as well. Texas gets the job done by kind of 4-3 against the Tampa Bay Rays as Martin Perez gives up three runs in five and a third innings, but bullpen at his back as A.C. Sunoco, Jonathan Hernandez get a, both get a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Brett Martin he gets an out of the bullpen, and then Jose LeClerc, Matt Moore, both provide a scoreless inning. Nate Lowe, he gets home run number 25 of the season off of Corey Kluber as Kluber. He got clubbed. Four runs surrendered in five and two-thirds innings, including that homer. Colin Pooch, JT Jargois, both provide a scoreless inning. Garrett Clevenger, one and a third inning scoreless, but Rangers get a nice win, and that helps out the Toronto Blue Jays, who they had one of the biggest wins of the day over the Baltimore Orioles. Six to three, the final for Baltimore. Jordan Lyles gets taken deep twice. Four runs in total surrendered over the course of five innings, says Matt Chapman. Goes deep twice, once off of Lyles and once off of Joey Crebiel. Home runs 25 and 26 of the season, and George Springer takes Lyles deep for his 21st of the campaign for Crebiel. Gives up that home run, two runs in total over the course of his inning as Michael Bauman, two innings of the bullpen scoreless. Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson both get a home run in this one in what was a bullpen game for the Blue Jays. Yusei Kikuchi gives up the home run to Rushman for his 11th home run of the season, and then Henderson, he gets his second home run season as that comes off of Yumi Garcia, who allows a run in an inning. Yusei Kikuchi, he gives up two runs over the course of two innings, and everyone else was flawless. 
Trevor Richards, Tim Meza, Adam Simber, Anthony Bass all provide one squirrel setting. Julia Merriweather, two squirrel settings for the Blue Jays to get to the window. The Washington Nationals, they get to the window after the Miami Marlins got up by a count of 4-0. to zero. They blow it as they entered into the bottom of the seventh inning up 4-0. to zero. And those of us with the under, this was just unsightly. 5-4, Washington gets a ton. As Washington has outscored 5-plus runs in 11 out of their last 16 games, Asus Lazardo, solid start, gives up two runs in six plus innings, including Homer going deep. Joey Manessis, the 30 year old journeyman with his ninth Homer on season, but Tanner Scott gives up two runs in two thirds of an inning. Uskar Brazobin gets an out of the bullpen scoreless, but Cole Solzer allows a run in an inning. And you add Lewin Diaz, go deep off of Uzziah Gray for his third Homer on season, and for Gray, that is the 37th home run that he's allowed this season. That is by far the most in the big leagues. He gives up four runs in five innings, but the bullpen from there had his back. Steve Cishek, Paulo Espino, Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan all provide a scoreless setting. Low-scoring game in Wrigley, but the Cubs get it done against Colorado Rockies by counting two to one. Irma Marquez, tough luck loser, gives up two runs in a day in which a win was blowing out in Wrigley, including home run to Zach McKinstry, fourth home run season, and that was it as a scoreless setting on the bullpen was had by Justin Lawrence as well, but Ryan McMahon solo home run off of Marcus Stroman, the only offense for the Colorado Rockies as for McMahon, home run number 17 of the season for Stroman. He was solid, giving up that solo run in seven innings. Brandon Hughes, Benoit Rodriguez, they both get a scoreless setting out of the bullpen. And for the Colorado Rockies, they extend their National League worst record on the road to now 22-48. and 48. So that's not been great for them. Has not been a great run for the San Diego Padres. As I will polish up what wound up happening Thursday night first. As they were shut out 4-0 as Dre Jemison who had given up five plus runs in five out of his last six minor league appearances, gave up nothing in seven innings. Kevin Ginkle, Joe Mantiply, Reyes Bonanta combined for two scoreless innings, and when he was in the Diamondbacks, he got a trio of home runs. Emmanuel Rivera goes deep home run number 12 of the season off of Sean Manea. Manea gives one up to Kittel Marte, 11th home run season, and Carson Kelly a little bit later gets home run number seven of the season off of Nick Martinez as Manea gives up two runs in five innings, which is honestly not too bad, both solo home runs, but then for the San Diego Padres, they got to Madison Bumgarner, 12-3 of the final. Mad Bum continues to be a mad bum. He has given up four-plus runs in now eight out of his last nine starts. Five runs surrendered in five innings, including a trio of bombs. Brandon Drury winds up going deep twice. 26th and 27th home runs of the season. Austin Supernola, fourth home run of the season. Awesome Kim, later on, he goes deep off of the position player, Carson Kelly, for his ninth of the season. Kelly gives up one run, and he pitched one in a third inning, says Ian Kennedy. Could not get out of the eighth. He gave up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. Keenan Middleton, he gives up two runs in his inning. And Taylor Widener, scoreless inning. And for Christian Walker, he got a pair of bombs. Going deep off of the center, Blake Snell for his 33rd home run season. Then reliever Craig Salmon for his 34th. As Salmon gives up two runs in an inning. But Blake Snell continues to have an ERA a full point lower on the road than at home. One run surrendered in seven innings. That's a home run as Adrian Motahone also provides a scoreless inning for the LA Dodgers. They just continue to roll along. They shut out the San Francisco Giants 5-0 for the Dodgers. It was Dustin May who wanted going five scoreless settings from there. Phil Bickford, two scoreless settings. Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vesia. They both give a scoreless setting, and for the Dodgers, they go 4-15 with men in scoring position. They did not get any home runs, but they got to Logan Webb, who he gives up four runs in four innings. Legitimately, his worst home start in quite a while, and the one that he provided the least length in, but Thomas Zapucky was able to deliver two and a third inning scoreless. Luis Ortiz, five outs of the bullpen scoreless, and he had one run given up in an inning by Cole Waits, but for the San Francisco Giants, two total hits in this game, not what they were looking for. 
Not what the Seattle Mariners were looking for. They lose 8-7 to the LA Angels as for the Angels, Luis Ranifo, pair of bombs in this one. 12th and 13th home run season. One comes off of Robbie Ray. One comes off of Matthew Fessa in the bullpen as Ray. Also a lot of home run to Mike Trout. His 36th home run season for Ray. He's had so many issues giving up home runs on the road. Five runs surrendered in five innings, including a pair of home runs. His ERA is two points higher on the road than it is at home. Matthew Fessa, he gave up three runs. and got just two outs out of the bullpen from there. Matthew Boyd was able to deliver a squirrel setting. And Penn Murphy, four outs out of the bullpen, squirrel and For the Mariners, they got their offense going. They've got the worst batting average in the American League post-All-Star break, but a pair of home runs from Carlos Santana, 16th and 17th home runs of the season. Ty France, 19th home run season. And Julio Rodriguez, home run 27th of the season for Rodriguez. He goes deep off of Michael Lorenzo, who gave up three runs, two homers in five innings. And then Andrew Wants gives up one of those home runs along with Ryan Tapera. Tapera, one run surrendered in an inning. Wants, two runs surrendered in two-thirds of an inning. Aaron Loop, one-third of an inning. One run charged to him at Jose Cuiada and Jimmy Erget. They both provide a squirrel setting for the Angels to get it done. And I believe that they've now went 10-7 and in their last 17 games. So things sticking up for them. Things ticking up for the Atlanta Braves as well. 7-2 the final. Now, the Mets wound up getting the job done. We'll get to them in a second. So, they still remain a half a game back of them. But, Ronald Acuna Jr., he gets home run number 12 of the season off of Sir Anthony Dominguez. And Ranger Suarez tagged with a home run via William Contreras. His 18th of the season as for Suarez. All he gave up was that one home run. One run surrendered in six innings. Not bad. Jose Alvarado gives a score of setting. And then, Sir Anthony Dominguez fresh off of the injury list. He gave up five runs and two-thirds of an inning as the Braves. They played six. If you had the under, thoughts and prayers to you on this one as that was just brutal as Dominguez gave up that home run. Nick Nelson, he gives up a run in a third of an inning as for the Phillies, they got a pair of home runs of their own. Kyle Schwarber, home run number 39 in the season off of Max Fried and Freed serves one up to Gene Segura. His 10th of the season for Freed gives up those two solo home runs in six innings. Cole McHugh, Jesse Chavez combined for three outs at the bullpen. Scoreless still in lead. Rossi Iglesias, both sling a scoreless inning for the New York Mets. They get it done against the Pittsburgh Pirates 4-3 to as for the Buccos. Mitch Keller gives up three runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Daniel Fogelback, 17th home run season. Bullpen wasn't bad from there. Dwayne Underwood Jr., a scoreless inning. Manny Benuelos, he gives up a run in an inning, but for the Buccos, not a lot of contact in general. They did have Onyo Cruz go deep once again. His 16th home run of the season, and for Onyo Cruz, don't look now, but this guy is starting to get white out as that is his fifth home run of the month, and I think his sixth home run over the course of his last 15 games as he goes deep off for Taiwan Walker. Allowed three runs, two of which were earned in seven to third innings, including that home run, but Edwin Diaz comes in. Five out save for him. So the Mets, they are able to get a W. The White Sox needed a win, and they did not get it. Three to two. Detroit Tigers win in 10 innings for the White Sox. Lucas Giolito, not a bad start, but not a lot of length. Four and two-thirds innings. He allows one run. Jimmy Lambert, four outs out of the bullpen. He does give up a home run along the way. Going deep for Detroit. Jonathan Scope, 10th home run of the season. From there, the rest of the guys were pretty solid. Joe Kelly, Jake Diekman, Rinaldo Lopez, all go a scoreless setting, and Liam Hendricks gives up an under and on in the 10th as the White Sox go 2 of 12 with men in scoring position. Good start out of Matt Manning. Seven scoreless settings. Joey Menace, he very nearly lights this game on fire, giving up two runs in his inning, but Gregory Soto, Alex Lang, both deliver a scoreless setting for the Detroit Tigers. The Boston Red Sox hold the Royals bat silent 2 to 1. 
for the Boston Red Sox to get it done as they play two runs in the eighth inning to be able to get the W. As Michael Waka, he continues to be magic for the Boston Red Sox. He gives up just one run over the course of seven innings, and the Boston Red Sox have been tremendous whenever he has been out there for them as they are now 15-5 and five in his starts. He's been one of the most profitable pitchers in the big leagues as a result. Garrett Woodlock, Matt Stram, they both deliver a scoreless inning, and for the Kansas City Royals, not a lot doing with the bats. One of five with men in scoring position as John Heasley. Shockingly, a really good start. Six and two-thirds hanging scoreless. Amir Garrett in and out of the bullpen. And then Dylan Coleman. He has been actually really good for the Royals this season out of a bullpen that has been terrible. He gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Scott Barlow. Two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but they are unable to get it done. The Cleveland Guardians, they do get it done. They lengthen their lead in the AL Central. Big series between they and the White Sox coming up next week, but they get it done against the Minnesota Twins 4-3 as the Twins. They were leading 3-0 going into the bottom of the seventh, and then they toilet-bowled it. Bailey Ober with his first start since the dawn of time. Five scoreless innings. Michael Fulmer has scoreless and killed Theobar. He gives up two unearned runs in his third of an inning. Nick Gordon calls the team with an error. He also had a strikeout at a big spot as well. So Nick Gordon, not a good night for the Minnesota Twins. As Griffin Jacks, he gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. And Yohan Duran, he allows a run in an inning as for Cleveland. Tristan McKenzie does give up three runs in seven innings, including home run going deep for Minnesota. Jake Cave, his fourth home run season, but Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe for a bullpen that has been the best in the big leagues in terms of VRA since the All-Star break. They both deliver a scoreless inning to deliver the Guardians to a massive win that they needed. And the Houston Astros, they got three home runs from Jordan Alvarez to get it done against the Oakland A's 5-0. For Oakland, Adrian Martinez, he got charged with four solo runs over the course of five innings. Not often that you give up four runs on four solo home runs, but that happened as Alvarez got all three of his home runs off of him. Home runs number 34, 35, and 36 of the season. Then Jeremy Pena, home run 18 of the season. From there, Jared Gaining, long relief, three innings, gives up one run. But for Oakland, absolutely nothing doing. They get three total hits. Justin Verlander, first start off the injured list. He probably stamped himself for the signing award with this one. Five squirrel signings, nine strikeouts. Phil Maton, Ryan Stanek. Brian Abreu from there all go scoreless. Abreu and Sanic, a scoreless setting. Phil Mayton, two scoreless settings. And what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now is that the favorites are hitting at a relatively heavy rate. Once again, the big underdogs have been the ones that have been cashing. So if you've been taking underdogs of north of, we're going to call it plus 225, you've been able to do relatively well. But in the last 60 days, Favorites overall 61.6%, 472, and 294. And home favorites have been even better 285 and 165. That is a 63.3% win rate. Unders in the same span, hitting at about 51.5%, 375 unders to 353 overs. But if you're looking at home favorites, getting back to them, 81 have failed to cover the run line in a straight up win over the last 60 days, and I alluded to it, lots of one-run games on Friday, and overall for the season, we have seen home favorites go 808 to 525. That is 60.6% in terms of their win rate. We have now seen 249 instances in which the home favorite has won outright but not covered the run line, and unders, 1,054 of them for the season, 983 overs. That is 51.7% to the under. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Friday. Now let's turn the page forward, take a look at some of these great postseason races that we've got and some critical series for this weekend with our good friend Ben Wilson over at VEASAN. He joins me next right here on the Baseball Winning Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of VEASAN Family Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, and it is great to be joined by our guest, as Ben Wilson does terrific work over here at Beeson. I know that you've been able to see him quite a bit the last few weeks doing the Lombardi line, as he's been doing a little bit more of that this season, and on top of that, during our weekend programming when we have a lot of football going on, whether it be college or pro, Ben does a good job with one of our other good friends, Jeff Parles, in terms of all the in-game updates, how you're able to bet these games live. list goes on and on as Ben, he does a bit of everything over at Beeson. And then on top of that, great play-by-play posts as well that you've seen in terms of Fox Sports with regards to their college basketball coverage and so much more. And to be able to follow Ben on Twitter, that is at Ben underscore Wilson, then an underscore and the number one all together. And Ben, Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Greg. And congrats, by the way, too, the old uh, the GPE. It's been great seeing that. Five days a week and out the network. So, yeah, we're off and rolling with football. The week one NFL was just nuts being on air for all the in-game uh, opportunities. But at the same time, like, as we've talked about, I mean, you can neglect baseball in the public betting sense, but, I mean, we don't. These races have been fascinating to me, and it's resulted in some good day-to-day value, I've really felt like. Yeah, but we've talked a lot about the NL Central because both of us are gentlemen from the state of Wisconsin, but I think that we both agree with a little bit less than three weeks left to go, unless if we wind up seeing a Herculean collapse and a big giant come up from the Milwaukee Brewers. This thing is as good as toast for them, but the one that stands out to me going into Friday, 
We wanted seeing these two teams separated by half a game. That'd be this big Mets versus Braves race in the NL East because, well, these two teams are going to be playing each other in very, very late September into October. And this, I think, is just the race of most fascination because a lot of people are talking about the Mets are going to met, which I always think it's stupid when people wind up using the team's name itself as sort of an adjective like I just said there. But the Mets, I think, have played fine baseball season long couple losses against the Chicago Cubs that is not great to say the least but still the Mets they've been able to have a solid season I think credit where credit is due needs to go to the Atlanta Braves more than anything else in this race because I take a look at the Atlanta Braves since the beginning of the month of June they've been arguably the best team in baseball the lineup has been rock solid Spencer Strider he's got a chance if his own teammate Michael Harris the second doesn't win it to be able to get rookie of the year honors I take a look at this Braves bunch and I think that they might be the most dangerous team in the National League right now just because they don't have the albatross in Craig Kimbrell that the LA Dodgers does though I also do have my fears with Kenley Jansen Right. It's funny, too, how we go through this whole stretch and it's all about trying to buy low or sell high on some of these different teams. You know, Braves are the one team now where you kind of get into this final stretch and we, you know, not with the sample size we have, we know what we have in these teams. And when you've seen them in the market still being put in that kind of fourth fiddle range, being put pretty clearly behind, you think about the Mets, obviously, for one, and the Dodgers, but also the Yankees, too. I, I still feel like if you're, you know, from a day-to-day value perspective that, they're in a pretty good spot now. And, and that was a big question I had with Strider specifically, where I think we've talked about this before on, on your show, Greg, just with his lack of general innings experience in the past and not really knowing how that was going to play out post-All-Star break, especially. I found myself really impressed in how, at least to this point, really hasn't seemed like he's hit a wall whatsoever. I'll be really curious to see how they manage the innings here down the final couple of weeks. But while so much of the talk is about Scherzer, DeGrom is a one-two and how difficult that is in a postseason series. I have a lot of trust now baked into this infrastructure here for Atlanta with the way Brian Snicker's been able to manage his, his arms in the past. You mentioned Kenley Jansen. That's probably the one concern I have. That bullpen still is a really solid stable. So I, I actually, you know, I do give them the lean as of now. But having said that, I'm still really high on this Mets team. To me, it's a lot different this swoon they're going through than what we saw out of the Yankees where there were pretty clear holes in that roster and that lineup. Some of the guys they were, they were throwing out there every single day with sub 220 averages and some of the pitching issues and lack of depth they had. To me, for the Mets, this is it's really just a, a classic swoon that we hadn't really seen out of them. And you get that from pretty much every team throughout 162-game sample size. So I remain really high on both. It reminds me a lot, honestly, of the Dodgers-Giants battle for the West last year. It really does. It wouldn't surprise me. Think about the pace that these two teams are on. If you end up with this thing going down to the final weekend and, and you know you get somewhere in the 100-105 range for wins when all is said and done. I agree with you. And with the New York Mets, I could see them perhaps being able to take down one of those teams that we mentioned in the Braves and the Dodgers because we mentioned it. Both of their weaknesses are at the closer spot. Craig Kimbrell is someone that I want absolutely no part of and I think it would be very wise of the Dodgers to look at Someone like an Evan Phillips, even an Alex Vesia has been able to do a solid job this season. Caleb Ferguson has come off the injured list. He's looked solid. And for the Atlanta Braves, they pick up Rossio Iglesias, who he was a closer with the LA Angels. So they've got options. But the one thing for the Mets that I think is so important is having that guy in Edwin Diaz, who has been amazing. I mean, not just for his tremendous walkout song when he winds <laughs> right. up having the trumpets going, but that said, the play on the field as well has been terrific. And I just think that the National League at this point, 
even though it is very fair, in my opinion, to put the Braves and the Dodgers one and two because, well, they met in the NL Championship Series each of the last two seasons. I just feel like even a team like I'm sure that both of us know very well, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're a team that I could see making a little bit of a run as well. So I just take a look at this entire National League. Even though the Braves and the Dodgers are your top two teams, I still think that we could see chaos when the bracket is all revealed and we wind up getting October baseball. I tend to agree with you. The Cardinals are one of those teams, and not only you, know, you and I, we've we followed this division really closely our entire lives, but uh, for me and, and spending nearly a decade in Missouri and covering this team, and it, it's just, you know, the number of years where the numbers, and I'm much more of a numbers guy, especially as a, as a baseball handicapper, where numbers don't seem to ever really match up with St. Louis, and yet they just find ways to overperform every single year. It's kind of funny, like how you were saying earlier, the whole Mets going to Mets thing, which is, a, you know, it's a, it's a ridiculous thing to talk about, but because of how we work in betting psyche and you assign different roles to different specific teams, you just naturally have this inclination to not trust the Mets. Same thing applies to St. Louis, where even if the numbers don't really look sustainable, and even though the, the pitching they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors, I've believed a lot of the season, and as it stands right now, the Jordan Montgomery deal, you could argue before his last start against the Brewers where he really struggled earlier in the week, probably the single best deadline acquisition any team has made just from a you know short-term value proposition. But outside of that, I haven't found myself really sold, especially when you match up their pitching with the rest of those behemoths in the, in the National League. Yet, at the same time, I find myself hesitant you know, just to say they're a fade once we get to the postseason. It's really going to depend on what they decide to do with Adam Wainwright specifically. And we've seen his numbers tail off a little bit. Not much of a surprise. Guy's 41. We've seen the really drastic home road splits for him all year. But his last three home starts have, have been a little scratchy, and he had the two straight starts with four and runs allowed. Last start against Milwaukee was basically pitching in and out of trouble the whole way and was really fortunate where the Brewers go 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position, strand the bases loaded twice. Wainwright and Flaherty piece of that general rotation where Flaherty's been injured all year, Wainwright, you've seen the levels start to dip off in the numbers. And it's also, a, remember, a rookie manager and Ollie Marmel has not been in a spot like this before. It's a total wild card to me. I think they have a pretty high variance, even though I, even, even despite me thinking, Greg, that their ceiling is not nearly as high as the other three teams in the NL above them, at least in the odds board right now. That entire NL, I think, is going to be tremendous to take a look at because even the San Diego Padres, who have not been good post-trade deadline, they've got the talent to be able to make a little bit of a run. And Juan Soto, we remember the run that he wanted making with the Washington Nationals a few years ago as well. So I think that that is going to be a great race. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Ben Wilson. He does great work over at Beeson, also does tremendous work as a play-by-play host. And ironically enough, our home state Milwaukee Brewers are right now taking on a New York Yankees team that I still remember. You came on this podcast. I'd like to say it was either in like mid to late July or early August, and you said, you know what? I'm not feeling the Yankees right now. I do not think that not only are they not the best team in the American League, but they're probably not even in the top two. And right now you look like a prophet, my friend, because the New York <laughs> Yankees, well, it's been rough for them. Now, going into the series against the Milwaukee Brewers, credit where credit is due to the New York Yankees. They were able to win eight out of their last ten. Offense looks to be a little bit more fortified as you've had Glaber Torres be able to do a solid job offering a little bit of protection to Aaron Judge, but that's just it with the New York Yankees. If Aaron Judge is not hitting, they are losing games. When Aaron Judge is having one of his nice two home run games like we've been seeing time and time again this season, this is a dangerous Yankees team, and I think that the pitching is honestly more than good enough for the New York Yankees. Question is, can they get any protection whatsoever for the Yankees, and 
are these guys going to be back for the postseason? Because Yankees still have a lot of talent. Problem has been the entire lineup around Aaron Judge has just completely crumbled due to injury. I'll say this. Even a blind squirrel can find a nut every so often. I mean, I... Not that I really felt like the Yankees would fall off to this degree. It's one of those things where you could actually make a case, Greg. It's almost a good thing for them to have some of their weaknesses and flaws exposed this early, as opposed to just you know continuing this ridiculous, unsustainable pace all the way through the regular season when you knew that those cracks were eventually going to be exposed. I find myself now sitting at you know looking at the Yankees and feeling like they're at a pretty fair place in the market. Now that we're not really viewing them as that runaway best team, they're not going to be the number one seed barring a big Houston collapse in the AL. I still feel like, yeah, I'm out of my top five. I'll say, though, I mean, I had the Padres as my fifth. For the talent they still have, as you just laid out a second ago, uh, that was probably you know, a whiff on my end. You know, San Diego still just trying to scratch and claw their way just to stay over 500 just to stay in that final wildcard position there in the NL. But for New York, it's still the inconsistencies and that, that, that have me worried about them going into the postseason. I'll be really curious to see like the handicap for this weekend against Milwaukee too, where Brewers have basically been like a very poor man's version of the Yankees where the hitting has just been so inconsistent. And the issue is too, it's not like they have a guy like Aaron Judge to anchor the lineup around. I mean, one week you have Willie Adamas looking like a world beater. The next, it's Christian Yelich. Then after that, it's Rowdy Telez. Hunter Renfro has had really good stretches. Andrew McCutcheon, I'd be remiss to not mention him. Just haven't put it together. It's been a really untrustworthy team to back on a day-to-day basis. And I don't think you you need to look any further, Greg, on Milwaukee's side if if you're thinking about how to handle them from a day-to-day betting perspective than the two-game series in St. Louis where you win a game where you go with a bullpen day and your, your first opener, Matt Bush, gets hurt in the first inning. And you somehow find a way to win that game and your bullpen is flawless. Then the next day you throw Corbin Burns on the mound and you go for nine with runners in scoring position, leave the bases loaded twice and you you lose 4-1. To me, it's probably a series I'll be really interested just from the eye test to see how those two square off against each other. I'm not going to have any plays day-to-day on that one. I'm actually more looking at the Baltimore-Toronto series. It's really fascinating to me where this is pretty much the final stand for Baltimore. And we've seen the Blue Jays, the pitching is every time you think they figured it out, it seems like they've taken a half step or a full step back. And looking at an over Saturday with Jose Barrios, and even though he He's improved a little bit with the command in recent months. That ERA is still really ugly, well over five, and the advanced metrics don't do much to really support him. So I would say, you know, Brewers-Yankees, kind of a stay-away series, to be honest, this weekend. I'm really fascinated, at least for for the betting angle of of that Orioles and Blue Jays series, and and thinking that might be a good spot to look at some overs here. And that Jameson Tyon versus Brian Woodruff game in Yankees versus Brewers, as we do this right now, darn near a pick-em with the Brewers minus 110 on that one as well, and to your point. I do think that that Blue Jays versus Orioles series is going to be very solid, but Eos finding himself right around about a minus 155 to a minus 165 favorite. So we shall see how that plays out because with Baltimore, you mentioned it, pretty much a last name for them. But if you're taking a look at the American League right now, we pointed out the fact that you've been quite correct on the New York Yankees, but I take a look at the Astros still clearly the number one team in the American League. But if there's a number two team, I'm beginning to really warm up on the Seattle Mariners. They are going to have a tough series against the LA Angels, which very strange to say, but the Angels have been able to play much better baseball over the last, we're going to call it three to four weeks ever since Mike Trout has come back for the team. But Shoy Otani goes on the bump for the LA Angels on Saturday against George Kirby. And one of these, once again, much like Yankees versus Brewers games, a pick sort of ordeal on this one. And for the Seattle Mariners, the offense has really not been great. Post-All-Star break, they've actually got the worst batting average in the American League, but this pitching is so good, and you know that the pitching is going to be there in October. 
the depth of arms is tremendous with Seattle. I take a look at them, and they might be the biggest, shall we say, thorn in the side to the Astros. The one fear I've got with them as well is that the Astros have just owned Seattle since pretty much the dawn of time. I was going to say, right, that's the one thing that worries you where those series specifically have looked really, really one-sided. It's been from the hitting perspective. It's been, you think about how good Justin Verlander has been against Seattle specifically this year. I worry a little bit about their lack of experience in the youth in general, just once we get to October. But for now, and if we're looking at Blue Jays, Mariners race, really essentially fighting for pole positioning, right, amidst the wild card race here. I definitely give that nod to Seattle on a day-to-day basis. And I really like how aggressive they've stayed. They haven't really looked like a team that, especially for some of their young pitchers like a Logan Gilbert. I know there's been a lot of groundswell for potentially fading him in the second half of the year with his innings getting way, way up there and a lot of his hard contact numbers still really high. But I've been impressed with how he's managed to stay really consistent. It's reflected on the rest of this pitching staff. And go back to the start of the year where Paul Sewold started the season injured and it wasn't really clear who they'd be able to turn to in the pen. You have to think, right, Greg? It's a pretty solid combination of people they have at the back end of the pen. And at least I get the sense that they have a lot of confidence there once you get seventh inning or later, even though it's been multiple guys they've used in those final outs roles. So that's that's definitely a bet on team for me just day to day down the stretch. If you were able to get some of those really good numbers that were out there on Seattle when they first started to turn it around just before the All-Star break. Those have really nice values assigned to them. At this point, I don't know that I'd really be in love getting involved on a futures price with them because to me, it is still Houston's pennant to win at this point. I still power rate them, as we were talking about with the Yankees, pretty sizably ahead of New York for that second position. But definitely a team I'm high on, and that's going to be a team that I have to think it's a ton of offseason buzz as well going into next year, assuming they continue to play pretty good baseball down the stretch. And we talk about the Padres and their trade deadline acquisitions as some the, and some of them that have not panned out. One that has really panned out. How about Luis Castillo and what he's been able to do for the Seattle Mariners? That has been massive for them. And yeah. what's always massive for this podcast, being able to have you on, Ben, because you do amazing work. Take a look at the game of baseball. I mentioned it. You do amazing work in terms of football as well during the weekends. You, Jeff Parles, Danny Burke do a great job holding it down, taking a look at everything that we've got in action. And, I mean, you talk about that week one that was very insane in the NFL. Week two of college football was pretty crazy as well. So you guys have had a lot of fun with that. I know that you're doing a great job a few days a week coasting over on the Lombardi line as well, one of our main shows over at Beeson. And I know you do just an amazing job on so many fronts. So let the good people know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. Yes, the college football week two wasn't half bad either. So yeah, <laughs> live bet Saturday on Saturdays, live bet Sunday, Sundays, and then Lombardi line. I'm on there Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And then the NBA G League season starts pretty soon. So I got our our first games. Actually, the Victor Wembanyama's French team is coming to Vegas. So I've got a, oh, they have nice. an exhibition game against the new G League team here in Vegas. So we'll get to see them twice, which I'm really excited for. So that actually starts at early October, which is really exciting. And then obviously college hoops right after. So fun stretch of time and looking forward to see how that all uh, plays out. Appreciate it as always, though, for you uh, having me on here. And a little bit of a side note here for Victor Wambayama, who Ben just wanted mentioning. That's a guy that if you take a look at the photo between he and Chet Holmgren, he made Chet Holmgren look like a little child. He is going to be <laughs> yeah. the number one pick overall in the 2023 NBA draft. There's going to be a lot of talent that comes out of college basketball, but Victor is by far the best prospect that we have seen. He's like seven foot four and able pop threes. It is absolutely ridiculous. So that is something to watch out for on a basketball front. And 
Ben, he does a great job on so many fronts. He takes a look at some basketball. He's going to be doing some work with the G League. He does great work taking a look at football every single weekend. And whenever he joins this podcast, does amazing work on the diamond. A big thanks to Ben Wilson for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Number back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Ben Wilson aboard. He does amazing work over at VSIN doing work on the weekends, taking a look at live football Fridays and Saturdays, and then the Lombardi line during the weekdays. He also does a lot of play-by-play work. As he mentioned in the last segment, going to be doing some work with the G League, does a lot in terms of college basketball, college baseball. It is always a pleasure to have that wealth of knowledge on this show. A big thanks to Ben for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we... Touch a ball. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore one. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. Lone exception is when we wind up getting into these double headers because, well, those double headers. 
we're going to do those together because when it comes to trying to break down those games, I don't want to go be going through like the same player stats twice for you guys. So that'll keep things a little bit cleaner and easier. And a lot of times when it comes to doubleheaders, you are going to see these pitchers get switcheroonied as well. So who you think might wind up going in game one? Well, sometimes they go in game two and vice versa. So let's get things started. 9.51, 9.52 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in the Cincinnati. They're under their own faceoff against the St. Louis Cardinals for a doubleheader. For game one, it's Mike Miner going for the Reds and Dakota Hudson for the St. Louis Cardinals. Game two is going to be Hunter Green going for the Reds and Jose Quitana for St. Louis. Neither game has any numbers on the board, so I'm just going to game one first, and then we'll dive into game two, which is 959-960 on the board in a minute. But first things first, in terms of my handicap of Mike Miner versus Dakota Hudson, made the Cardinals in this game a minus 229 favorite. We'll only lay up to a minus 124 on the run line with a 12.9.2, so nine or less looking over nine and a half right to the under end. Money line and run line, very similar on both of these two. So you're able to feel good about that with the Cincinnati Reds. Top-heavy lineup, Jonathan India, TJ Friedel, Kyle Farmer, all in between about a 255 to 268, and then Donovan Solano at the top has been very good, hitting above a 290. Jake Fraley has been able to move the line as well. He's got 10 home runs this season on like 170 at-bats, so he's has been solid, but when you get down to the bottom of the full, guys like Chucky Robinson, Austin Romine, Aristide Sakino, who's actually been able to hit a few home runs recently, Spencer Steer, they have not been so great on the Cardinals. Completely have this Reds team outgunned. And for the Reds, they only average about three and a half runs per game when they are on the road at home. More like five runs per game. Meanwhile, for St. Louis, they've got one of the top batting averages in the National League post-All-Star break with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Both hitting in that neighborhood about a 300, as a matter of fact, 325 for Paul Goldschmidt. He combined 64 home runs heading into yesterday's game. And Corey Dickerson and Albert Pools, both post-All-Star break, hitting above a 320 pools. He's chasing number 700 and... For Brendan Donovan, he at home has been able to about a 350. For the St. Louis Cardinals, you have more pitching depth, although I will say for the Reds, post All-Star break, they've actually been a top 10 team in terms of bullpen ERA. Guys like Buck Farmer, Ian Gabo, they've been able to pick it up a little bit. You still have untrustworthy guys like Art Warren. Whenever he's been out there, Hunter Strickland, they've been a hot mess, but I do like Alexis Diaz. And then for the Cardinals, they're still missing Genesis Cabrera from the bullpen, but Packy Naughton is able to give you multiple innings. Chris Strand, since he's come over to St. Louis, has been solid, was not great while he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but since coming over to St. Louis, more round of three ERA, so you're able to live with that. Jordan Nix hasn't been great, but Ryan Elsley, he's posting up a sub two ERA this season, then for the Cardinals and their starting pitcher in Dakota Hudson. Not a guy I've ever really wanted to trust. 443 ERA and dramatic home and road splits. 325 ERA at home, 535 ERA on the road. Relies upon ground balls and, in my opinion, is lucky that he's gotten right around only about .7 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is above four. His strikeouts per nine rate is sub six. And yet he doesn't have a 5 ERA. He does a good job of being able to miss barrels, but not too bullish on him. And then for Mike Miner, he's just been getting banged around like a pinata this year. 2.2 home runs per 9 innings. He's given out 3.3 walks per 9 innings. He has been sad and pathetic at home with a 6.22 ERA. He's been pretty pathetic on the road with a 5.28 ERA. On the road, he gives up more like 1.6 home runs per 9 innings, but overall opponents are at 2.94 off of him. Just not great to say the least. For the Reds, I had to set them as a big underdog, even though Dakota Hudson is not someone that I necessarily trust in too much. Want to lay up to a minus 124 on the run line of the card in game one and like I said nine or less to the over is where I'm looking on the total nine half prior to the under and then in 959 960 with Hunter Green 
going to be his first start in quite a while. And for Hunter Green, great swing and miss stuff. He has been able to give you 11 half strikeouts per nine innings. Has that 100 plus mile per hour fastball. He did wind up doing a little bit of rehab work. Sounds like it went well as this is going to be his first start since August 1st at the big league level. And he was starting to find himself in three out of his last four starts. Had given up two runs or fear, though. The lone outlier, ironically enough, was when he went to St. Louis as he has faced off against St. Louis a few times this season. Hasn't necessarily been great. In three starts, he has given up eight runs in 13 and a third innings. Only given up one home run, but walks are an issue with Hunter Green. He's been giving up about 3.7 walks per nine innings. So I'll say Kitana has been able to do a good job of being reined in about 2.7 walks per nine innings. Not necessarily the world's highest strikeout guy, about seven and a half punch outs per nine innings, but has done a good job missing barrels. And when he's been in Pittsburgh and St. Louis this season, about a 245 ERA. So he's been able to do a good job on that front. I do think that Hunter Green is an upgrade from Mike Miner, despite him coming off of the injured list. I don't think it's too much of one. I certainly think Jose Kitana is better than Dakota Hudson. So similar money line here. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 122 on the run line, minus 236 on the money line. And did want to say my total lower. I do think that Hunter Green going to be able to get more swings and misses. And I think the Kitana, a clear upgrade from Dakota Hudson as well. So eight or less looking at an over eight and a half prior to the under as I've made my total in 8.3. So that's where we're looking with the double dip. Now we go to more of the normal games. 953, 954 on the bang board. The Colorado Rockies. They're on the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs as Hayden Wesneski is going to be going for the Cubs and Jose Yarenia is going to be on the bump for the Rockies. We got a regularly field game, so we're going to be seeing no total until the AM. It is all dictated on the win, but with the money line, you've got the Cubs between a minus 130 to a minus 135 favorite and between plus 115 and plus 125 is the number on the Rockies and for the Cubs, I made them closer to a minus 150 favorite with Wozniski. I liked what I saw out of him at the minor league level. Has not gotten a lot of opportunity at the big league level as he's been mostly used out of long relief. So I do think that it's going to be interesting now that he's starting to finally be able to start games rather than come in, try to be having to come into a little bit of an inclement situation as he posted up a 3-1-2 ERA pitching eight and two-thirds innings in two super long relief appearances for the Cubs earlier this season and has good swing and miss stuff at the minor league level, 10 strikeouts per nine innings in the eight and two-thirds innings that he's had at the big league level, 11 punch outs. So something that you do like to see now, you fear the command with him. He wound up having three and a half walks per nine innings while he was with AAA Iowa a little bit earlier this season and I was in the Yankees organization, was able to do a little bit of a better job in terms of command, but that is something that you do want to be keeping an eye on. And, well, for Jose Ureña, he had a very good last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks in his five starts previous. He had posted up a north of eight ERA. It has not been great for Jose Ureña this season. It has honestly been a bit better when he has been on the road rather than home, but that's not saying much. A five ERA on the road, 6.57 ERA at home. I did wind up saying my total, by the way, at a 10.1 because wind is going to be blowing out, and it's going to be blowing out at about 10 miles per hour, so that is pretty hefty, and for Yorena, he has been giving up the deep ball this year. He has given up nine home runs over the course of over the course of 74 and a third inning, so good for about 1.2 home runs per nine innings, and with the Rockies, they don't back him up with the world's greatest bullpen, to say the least. The Rockies, bottom five in terms of bullpen ERA. Someone like an Alex Calme has really had his struggles on the road. 520 ERA overall, but that balloons to a 635 when he's on the road. Someone like a Lucas Gobreth when he's been out there as he's been a little bit banged up. He's got an ERA that is nearly two points higher when he's on the road rather than at home. You're able to go down the list of guys with these monster tough home and road splits. And for the Colorado Rockies, they just can't hit to save their lives when they're on the road. They hit about 35 to 40 points lower when they are on the road and their home runs per game 
averages. They go from about 1.1 per game at home, 0.6 on the road. C.J. Krohn, perfect case in point of this. 28 home runs this season. Just seven of them have come on the road. Brendan Rodgers, among his 11 home runs, he's got one on the road. They're still dealing with Chris Bryant being banged up. Jose Iglesias was legitimately their best road hitter, hitting above a 300 away from home. He is currently on the injured list. The Rockies 22-48 and 48 on the road. And for the Chicago Cubs, they've been dealing with Wilson Contreras being on the injured list. Currently, Nico Horner and C.A. Suzuki. They also deal with ailments. That's not great. You do have Patrick Wisdom back in the fold. He was dealing with some injuries, and he's been able to slug out 20-plus home runs. Also, Infamous for striking out a lot as well, but since coming over from El Reyes, has been able to above a 250. You've had Ian Happy able to get on base right around a 350 on base for him. You do have a few guys like Alfonso Rivas, Christopher Morel, David Bodie hitting between about a 242, 245. Not necessarily the world's greatest offense, but I do think that against Jose Areña, they're going to be able to get going. And I do think that Wisniewski, he's going to have his struggles as well. But with the Rockies being as poor as they are on the road, I do think that this is a good spot for Mr. Wisniewski, who's gotten a couple long relief appearances, but has never started to be able to get a win under his belt. Set the Cubs at minus 152, so I'm looking at the Cubs on the money line. Currently no run lines because there's no totals up the run line. And the total, a little bit correlated, but I did wind up saying my total at 10.1. Turner Lusk looking over 10.5 prior to the under. 955-956 on the bang board. The Miami Marlins hit the road face off against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap goes for the Nationals, and Trevor Rogers is on the bump for Miami. Miami, a favorite of between minus 120 to minus 125, plus 105 to plus 112. The number on Washington, 8 is the total. Under is minus 120. The over is even. I'm seeing a straight 7.5. That over is minus 120 on 7.5, and the under is even. For Mr. Freddie Wap, I felt like he should have been a plus 122 underdog. So, so on the lay up to a minus 122 with the Miami Marlins. And we've right now got a lot of minus 120 in the market. So this is about the max I'm willing to lay, but I'm going to be willing to lay it for Rodgers. Looked like a different guy coming off the injured list in his last few starts because he at the beginning of the season did not look like the Trevor Rodgers of old. He has made three starts since coming off the injured list, giving up a combined six runs over the course of 18 and a third innings against the Rays, Phillies, and Rangers. So, not bad competition. He's been able to do a much better job in terms of command as well. Three walks in these last three starts as well. And the overall for the season has been better on the road. 475 road ERA, 594 ERA at home. You could tell how grody it was towards the beginning part of the season as his strikeout numbers were way down. Typically, he's north of 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He's at nine this season while giving out nearly four walks per nine innings. Speaking of guys giving out over four walks per nine innings, Eric Fetty Wap, 524 ERA. And that actually goes up to a 526 when he's at home. And at home, he's been giving up over 1.6 home runs per nine innings. His strikeout numbers, they're not great. They're not terrible. Seven strikeouts per nine innings. You'd like to see that be a little bit better, but they are actually higher when he's at home for the Washington Nationals as well. Offense has been able to ignite. Going into yesterday's game, they had scored five plus runs in 10 out of their last 15 games, with Joey Manessas being the catalyst for this. 30-year-old minor leaguer journeyman that had come up to the big leagues has been able to hit above a 300 for this bunch, getting a home run every about 20 or so at best. And then you've got Lane Thomas and Luke Voigt. It combined 35 home runs between these two gentlemen. Since Voigt has come over to the Nationals, he's been hitting right around 250. And then Thomas, who I mentioned earlier, Kibet Ruiz, they're both hitting between about 245 to 255, along with Cesar Hernandez. Now you do have a couple guys like Victor Robles, a company that need to pick it up, but Eliarmo Vargas, Luis Garcia for the season, in between about a 275 to a 285. And then for the Miami Marlins, you don't have a single guy in the lineup right now that has more than eight home runs. It is pretty darn deplorable as you've got guys like Brian De La Cruz, J.J. Blade, Lou and Diaz, Peyton Budrick getting at bats. 
Joey Wendell, along with the All-Star and Garrett Cooper, both hitting in that fold of about a 245 to a 260. John Birdie, you could throw him in there as well. And Birdie been able to do a good job of being able to seal some bases, but it's a bad Miami Marlins lineup that has scored three runs or fewer in 33 out of their last 39 games. Bullpen for the Marlins is not bad, though, which is why I am willing to back them a little bit more. And we did see them ignite for more than three runs in the game yesterday. Uskar Belazobin. Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, all guys have been able to post up between about a 3-3 to a 4.05 ERA. You've been able to have Stephen Oakert give good innings as well. Cole Solzer, relatively bad year from him. For the Washington Nationals, we've seen Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan do a great job as a veterans. Hunter Harvey as well. They're posting up a sub-3-4 ERA. Been able to get a couple good innings out of CC Check recently, though he's been a little bit all over the place. Mason Thompson, saying that series against the Baltimore Orioles, has been able to do a solid job as well, but with Eric Fetty, hard to have necessarily a lot of faith in him, and I do think that the Miami Marlins starting to rise up with their offense. Still don't want to trust them going over eight in this spot. I did want him saying my total is 6.7, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Both the Marlins want to lay up to a minus 122 with them. 957, 958 on the bank board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're on the road facing off against the New York Mets. Chris Bassett as yoke line and sinker for the Metropolitans, and Bryce Wilson is on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, a sizable underdog, anywhere between plus 250 and size plus 265, and for the Metropolitans, anywhere between minus $3 and minus 328 is your total. The under is minus 115 to minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. If you're looking at that Mets run line, it is anywhere between minus 135 to minus 140. I was willing to go to a minus 145. Now, I personally am going to be waiting overnight to see if we can wind up getting a bigger price on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I need at least a plus 272 to take a shot on them. So I am in a little bit of a holding pattern because these north of plus 270 underdogs have been white hot all season long. And well, for the New York Mets, they have not been white hot recently themselves. But when it comes to Mets, you still have plenty of firepower in the offense as you've got Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonzo, Throwing there, Marcana, all in between about a 265 to 275. And then Sterling Marte, when he's been in the fold, has been terrific. Seems like he's banged up, probably going to wind up missing this series as well. But for Alonso, north of 30 home runs at 100 RBI. Francisco Lindor has been able to supply north of 90 RBI. He's been able to 265 as well. Luis Colorme is back, hitting at 285. Jack McNeil has been able to hit above 300. Daniel Vogelback went deep yesterday, so good signs for this bunch. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Brian Reynolds has been tremendous. Hitting a 255, he's went deep 23 times. That has been big for an offense that has really lacked a lot of power, though. You've got Ben Gamble, Cal Mitchell, Michael Chavis, Cabrian Ace, on between about a 232 to a 250, so they've been able to pick it up. And O'Neill Cruz, the batting average and the on-base has not been there from, but he is really starting to slug it out as he's got six home runs in his last about 100 at-bats. He's been able to hit about a 265 in his last three days, so that's been nice to see for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Relatively grody bullpen. You do have Chase Young, who's able to give you multiple innings. He's posted up a sub-3 ERA. William Crowes and Manny Benuelos are a pair of guys that are posting up right around about a 3-5 ERA, but when you get into guys like Yohan Ramirez, Robert Stevenson and company, that's not too great. And for the Mets, Seth Lugo has been able to pick it up. Both also break sub-3 ERA out of him. They've picked up Alex Claudio. It's always someone I like because he's able to give you an inning day in and day out. Adam Anavino, Tommy Honor, they both have sub-3 ERAs and then Edwin Diaz. Break out the trumpets for him. It's been tremendous, but what else has been tremendous? Chris Bassett on the mound. I believe that the New York Metropolitans have won about 66% of his starts as he has been one of the most automatic pitchers that we've seen in the big leagues thus far this season and a big reason why is because he has actually seen a dip in terms of the strikeouts, about 8.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but if 
because his walks are so low, about two and a half per nine innings, he's able to go deep into games. He's got just a five and six record at home, but posting up a 314 ERA. And in a lot of the starts in which he has not gotten a decision, the team has been able to get the win. I believe that they are now 19 and eight in his start. So the New York Mets have been able to do a good job whenever Chris Bassett has taken the mound. And for Bryce Wilson, 6.03 ERA. He has given up the deep ball as his home runs per nine rate this season is about 1.7. Doesn't walk a lot of guys, 2.3 walks per nine, but that's because he also gets six strikeouts per nine innings. It's actually been a little bit better on the road with a 560 ADRA compared to a 657 at home, but regardless, opponent starting a 306 off of him. I do think that the Mets should have a very good opportunity to be able to get it done. I need North of a plus 270 to take a shot on the Pirates at current numbers. Looking at the Mets on the run line, willing to lay up to a minus 145 on that, and I do think that Chris Bassett could be able to sign me the Pirates. I like the way that he's pitched all year long, so current numbers looking at the under of 8 and the Mets on the run line. 959-960 was part of Cardinals versus Reds, so we go 961-962 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves playoffs to the Philadelphia Phillies as Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phils and Jake Odorizzi on the bone for the Braves. We've got a classic Beckham game. Both teams between minus 104 and minus 110 on the money line with a total of 7.5. The overs between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders between even a minus 105, seeing a straight 8. On the total, that under is minus 120 and the over is even. I did make this total 8.2. You've got a pair of very high-powered offenses that I think are going to be able to get going with Kyle Schwarber. Batting average is not there, but he has slugged out 38 home runs this season, and there's plenty of guys to get on base from to be able to turn those home runs into more like two, three-run shots. Bryson Stott over the last 45 days has hit above a 275. Mean Gene Segura, Alec Bohm are both hitting about a 285, along with the young right fielder in Dalton Guthrie, who's been able to lend some very good at-bats. JT Riamuto has been legitimately the best-hitting catcher since the beginning of the month of July. Bryce Harper since coming off the injured list. It's been a little bit touch and go, only getting two home runs in that time span, but certainly someone that is still doing a good job of being able to move the line. And then for the Atlanta Braves, Sansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Travis Arnaud, William Contreras, only between about a 267 to a 285. Riley has been able to do a good job of slugging out 36 home runs this season. Matt Olson is only hitting about a 240, but he's got 28 home runs this campaign. Even someone like, obviously, Albies, him coming back in the fold, that is going to be able to help out as well. Ronald Cunha Jr., 350 on base. Murderers row when it comes to both of these lineups. Have much more faith here in our good friend Aaron Nola, who throughout his career has always been better in Philadelphia rather than on the road. This year, it's been a reversal. For Nola, 285 road ERA, 376 home ERA. And the reason why, the deep ball. 12 home runs given up in 91 innings at home, 5 bombs at 88 in the third innings on the road, which has been quite surprising this season. He's had his struggles with the Atlanta Braves, 10 runs surrendered in 21 and a third innings in three starts, getting taken deep four times, but you've had Jake Odorizzi just struggle altogether between his time with the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros has a 4-1-5 ERA. Strikeout numbers are just way down with them, and for Jake Odorizzi, in both his locations with the Astros and the Atlanta Braves, it's been relatively similar, and as a matter of fact, he's been worth worse with the Braves with nearly a 5 ERA. Strikeouts per nine rate being below seven is not necessarily ideal. Hasn't given up a ton of walks this season as his walks per nine rate is about 2.7. But with Jake Odorizzi, he doesn't necessarily pitch well at home. Doesn't pitch terribly on the road. He's just 
Pitches the same at nearly every ballpark for the Braves. They do back him up with a little bit of a better bullpen as Jackson Stevens has not necessarily been the world's greatest long guy recently, but Tyler Madzik, A.J. Minter, both guys have been able to do a tremendous job as both are posting up an ERA that is 325 or better, especially A.J. Minter. Dylan Lee has been able to lend good innings. You don't want any part of Kenley Jansen, but Rossi Iglesias has been solid, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, they get back through Sir Anthony Dominguez. He, Brad Ann, have been able to provide sub-250 ERAs. Andrew Bellotti has been solid whenever they've needed him. Connor Brogdon has been able to do a good job with his innings as well, so I do like the Philadelphia Phillies in this spot because I do think that Aaron Nola has a big pitching advantage over Jake Odorizzi, so I did want to say the Phillies at a minus 112 in this circumstance, so looking at the Phillies, I might tell it at 8.2, so going to be going with the over as well, 963-964 on the bang board. The Slam Diego Padres hit the road face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Allen is going to be going for the sinks, and Joe Musgrove on the bump for San Diego. San Diego is a very slight underdog, finding them between even money and minus 105, between minus 110 to a minus 115. Your price on Arizona, 7 is the total, over is minus 120, the under is even. Zach Allen has been absolutely remarkable. His string of six straight starts, which was like nearly 40 innings or something ridiculous, wound up getting snapped because, well, he had to pitch a Gore's field his last time out, but the Arizona Diamondbacks have been automatic when it comes to his last few starts. As this is an Arizona Diamondbacks team that is now 8-1 in his last nine starts. Zach Gallup post-All-Star break as a sub buck 50 ERA. In his last five starts, it's a 0-81. He has been magnificent. He's got in 33 and a third innings, 43 punch-outs to five walks in his last five starts. So this has been great. And for Joe Musgrove, things have went sort of down the toilet bowl from recently. 4.85 ERA over the course of his last five starts, giving up seven bombs in that time span. So he's allowed more home runs in his last five starts. And Zach Gallup has runs. That's not good. He's actually been a little bit better on the road, Musgrove has. 324 road ERA, 333 home He give it up less than home run per nine innings when he's been on the road, and command has been there with him. He gives up fewer than two walks per nine innings. He's still been able to do a good job of being able to get strikeouts, and for the Padres, got to fear that the bullpen not going to be able to hold up. They've got Nabil Crisman currently on the injured list. That's not great. Josh Hader has been better recently, and his last three appearances has not given up a single run, but he still has nearly a six ERA, and since he came over to San Diego, a 12-10 ERA, that is not too terrific. You've had Robert Suarez be able to give some good innings, but not necessarily too trustworthy, and for the years of the Diamondbacks, it's the worst bullpen in the big leagues over the last 35 days. They have posted up in that span north of a six ERA. You've had Joe Mantiply be solid, sub three ERA out of them, but Keenan Middleton, Mark Melanson, Taylor Widener, Caleb Smith, all posting up north of a 450 ERA. Not ideal. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they do slug out the deep ball much less at home rather than on the road. For the Diamondbacks, they get nearly 1.35 home runs per game on the road at home. That shrinks to more like 0.85, but Stone Garrett has been able to 350 for this bunch. And then you add Jake McCarthy hitting nearly a 300. And now you've got a lot of guys hitting in that neighborhood about a 233 to a 245. Quetel Marte, Emmanuel Rivera, Christian Walker, Dalton Varsho, all in that fold, and for Walker, along Thelton Varsho, a combined 57 home runs between these two this season, and for the San Diego Padres, Manny Machado and Josh Bell are both hitting below a 225 since they got to San Diego with three home runs apiece. They do get back Brandon Drury, and since Drury got to San Diego, he's actually been halfway decent as he has been able to slug out five home runs and 100 at-bats, hitting about a 235, which is more than what I can say for Juan Soto. If had Manny Machado be the constant for this team all season long, great in the field, hitting nearly a 328 home runs. He has been there, and then you've got guys like Jorge Alfaro, Austin Nola, Jake Cronenworth, Austin Kim, all in between about 
a 242-250. So, a lot to be desired with the San Diego Padres team. I think that Zach Allen is going to go out there, be dominant once again. Semi-tall at 7.3. I've got my trepidations when it comes to the zeros at a Diamondbacks bullpen. We've already seen them blow one game in which Gallon goes out, pitches magnificently, and then the bullpen, like a bunch of chumps, just wind up giving it away. And for the Padres, they actually do score significantly more when they're on the road rather than at home because they play at Petco. So, willing to take the 7 over, but with the Diamondbacks, made them also a minus-124 favorite. So, riding with the Snakes, 965 9 66 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are going with a bullpen game, and Julio Arias is on the bump for the Dodgers. For the Giants, we don't know who's starting this bullpen game, but it's probably John Brebbia, and well, there's no numbers up on this game as a result at books, but I've got my handicap. I made the Dodgers minus 236 on the money line on the road. I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 148 on the run line. I made the total 8.78 after less. Looking at an over, a 9 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under end. The reason why I wound up setting it so high. Julio Arias has been amazing on the road the last few seasons. When he won 20 games last season, 13 of those wins came on the road. And he's got 16 wins this season. 10 have come on the road. 254 home ERA. 211 road ERA. On the road, he's given up less than a home run per nine innings. 2.2 walks per nine. And opponents are at 207 off of him. He's been one of the best road pitchers in all the big leagues recently. And for the San Francisco Giants, you do have a couple bullpen pieces that are not too bad for the team. John Brebbia, who I mentioned, most likely going to be the opener in this game. That's the way that the Giants have been playing things. He's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. Alex Young might be able to give you multiple innings. He's a former starter. He's posted up about a 3 ERA. Jolin Garcia has about a 3.40 ERA. But then when you get into guys like... Tyler Rogers, Zach Liddell, these guys have not been any good. Junior Marte of the Marte Parte, north of a 6 ERA, and for the San Francisco Giants, they've relied too much on their righty-lefty platoon splits, and Gabe Kapler, to his credit, he's made the most out of it this season, but this is just not a talented lineup. You've got Wilmer Flores and Jack Peterson combining for 40 home runs, and Peterson, he's been able to about a 260 along with Thario Estrada. These guys have been able to get on base, but when you've got guys like Dom VR, Mikey Stramski, Brandon Crawford, Willie Calhoun, all in below a 225. That makes things difficult. Joey Bart post also break has been a little bit better, but only hitting a 230 for the season. Then for the LA Dodgers, Mookie Betts, 34 home runs, hitting a 275. You've got Will Smith, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, all between 20 and 22 home runs. Aside from Muncy, these guys all get on base. Trey Turner is hitting a 305. Freddie Freeman, 330. Will Smith, about a 350 on base. Heck, you've had Cody Bellinger be able to slug out 17 home runs despite the fact that he had the bottom the fold along Joey Gallo. They'll do a great job of being able to move the line. I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to get into a Giants bullpen that clearly misses Buster Posey being behind the plate. Mostly the same guys from last season that posted up the best bullpen area in the big leagues have struggled all year long. So, made the Dodgers minus 148 on the run line as I believe that all but 12 of their wins as far as the season have come by multiple runs. So, looking at most likely a Dodgers run line unless we get a ridiculous price and set by total an 8.7, 8.5 or less looking over 9 or higher to the under. Now we go to our other double dip. 967-968 going to be ink injecture with 977-978 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins on the road facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. We know the pitchers for both of these games, but we do not have any numbers as of right now as in game one it's going to be Louis Verland who's going to be going for the Twins and Shane Bieber has a fever for going for the Guardians and then game two Josh Winder is going to be going for the Twins and Connor Bilkington is going to be on the bump for the Guardians. We're going to go game number one first with Verland versus Bieber and I said the Guardians minus 198 on the money line. I would need about $2 to be able to take a shot on the Twins because with Verland, he didn't come out and give a bad start his last time on the mound, but he just has such limited experience and 
going up against someone in Shane Bieber. I recognize the strikeout numbers aren't quite what they were when he wound up winning that Young Award, but still, still able to get a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. What has been fascinating about Shane Bieber is that he's actually been a little bit worse at home than he has been on the road. 334 home ERA, 267 road ERA, despite giving up just five home runs in 62 innings thus far this season. Opponents are at 229 off of him. I feel like the demise of Shane Bieber has been very much overstated as it's still been a very good year for him and for Lewis Verlin. His first start, he looked relatively solid. He winds up going five and a third inning sort of at the last minute and gave up two runs in that start. That was about two or so weeks ago. That was a part of another one of those twin bills as he wound up doing that against the New York Yankees, dueling with Domingo Herman and what wound up being an extra inning game. But for Verlin, he's got good stuff if you look at his minor league numbers because he's only made one career start at the big league level. So hard to really make too much out of what he wound up doing in that one start. But at the minor league level this season between AA and AAA for Verlin, he has posted up a 306 ERA, given up three walks per nine innings, which is a little bit high, but 10.5 punch outs per nine innings. Overall, I do think that he's got a relatively well-rounded game. He's about 24 years old. Grew up in the state of Minnesota, so this is a local guy that has been able to get an opportunity. I always think that that actually works out quite well for these organizations as well. Discussion for another day, but that said, Barlin has been able to do a nice job for this Minnesota Twins organization overall, but what really hurts the Minnesota Twins, all the ailments that they've got. They're dealing with Orde Polanco along with Byron Buxton being out of the fold. These have really been your top two home run hitters in terms of a home runs on a per-at-bat basis all season long, though. They still have a lot of guys that have been able to get on base. Carlos Correa, Nick Gordon, Gio Urshela, Jose Miranda, only between about a 273 to a 285, and Luis Rice at the top of the fold. He's been able to hit a 320. Correa has been able to give you 20-plus home runs, so that has been solid. And Jake Cave went yard yesterday. That's good because bottom of the lineup with guys like he, you're able to throw on there Gary Sanchez, who's been a disappointment. Mark Contreras, not too terrific. And for the Cleveland Guardians, a team that is not going to go deep there in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. But Andres Menes, Oscar Gonzalez, Amid Rosario, Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, all in at least a 275 for this bunch. Josh Naylor, Alonso Menes, both have been able to supply about 17 home runs apiece for this team. Naylor sitting about a 255. Jose Ramirez has really been the RBI man for this bunch. Over 110 RBI, 27 home runs. Bottom of the fold for them can be a little bit rough as well. The catcher spot as a whole, Will Benson, they have not been too terrific, but for the Guardians, post-all-star break, they've got the best bullpen area in the big leagues, and they've got the best bullpen area by nearly 30 points. Emmanuel Classe, James Karinczak, that's a deadly 8th and ninth inning duo. Best of luck to you if you have to face off against that. And then Nick Samlin, Trevor Steven, both are guys that have a sub-250 ERA out of the bullpen, and Yelde Los Santos has been terrific out of the bullpen as well. Same Hentages, 265 ERA, and for the Minnesota Twins, Yoan Duran, Jarrell Cotton, throw in their Giovanni Morin, they've all been able to supply a sub-3 ERA, and I will say, for Caleb Theobar, he's been better over the last 45 or so days, post-all-star break, his sub-350 ERA, but you have had ups and downs with Emilio Begon. I like Ore Lopez and Michael Fulmer, but they can be a little bit shaky at times, which is why I did make the Guardians such a big favorite with Bieber on the mound in game one. This would be a total in Bieber versus Varland in which semi total is 7.9, so 7.5 or less looking over 8 or higher to the under with the Guardians. Willing to lay up to a minus 105 on that run line, minus 198 on the money line, and then 977, 978 with Winder against Pilkington. Much more of a tame money line. I did wind up saying Pilkington as a minus 135 favorite. For Winder, he's been solid at the minor league level, and he's gotten some opportunities at the big league level, and to say that he's been solid would be very accurate. He does give up the deep ball. 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but less than three walks per nine innings. 
Neither of these guys have been strikeout artists early on throughout their career. They have been able to do that at the minor league level here at the majors. Not so much. Pokington about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings at the big leagues. Winder more around six strikeouts per nine innings. And Pokington has had his command issues. A little bit over five blocks per nine innings, but has kept the ball better in the yard, giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings. But I do think that Pilkington, backed up by a lineup that in general just does a better job of being able to move the line and not top of that, the Cleveland Guardians bullpen has been absolutely amazing, which is why in Pilkington versus Winder, minus 135 on the Guardians and a higher total. 8.5 or less, I'd be looking at an over 9 or higher to the under as I think that both Winder and Pilkington not going to be able to deliver the world's greatest length as we go to 969, 970 on the betting board. That's what brought the Blue Jays are going to be playing also the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Bradish goes for the Orioles and Jose Barrios is on the bump for Toronto. Toronto between a minus 152 to a minus 165 favorite between plus 140 and plus 145 the number on Baltimore ain't half is the total overs between minus 110 and minus 115 the unders between minus 105 and minus 110 I needed at least a plus 164 to take a shot on Bradish and the big reason is Jose Barrios who's been inconsistent this year for the Blue Jays very fair to say that has been better at home than he has been on the road and for Mr. Barrios you take a look at his last few starts he's been able to shape it up with Jose Barrios he has now given up two earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts with three of those starts coming on the road. As a matter of fact, one came against Baltimore in an 8-4 win and the Blue Jays have went 5-0 in Bodios' last five starts and for Jose Barrios, he's led the team to victory in 11 out of his last 13 starts. Jose Barrios probably should not have led the team to victory in 11 out of his last 13 starts, but they've won when he's been on the mound and he's got a 405 home area with about 1.2 home runs per nine innings, give it up at home on the road. This is exploding to right around two, which is not terrific with that 605 ERA, but for the Toronto Blue Jays, they threw a lot of their, shall we say, less than trustworthy bullpen pieces in the game against the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, like you say Kikuchi, Trevor Richards as well, so that should be able to help out because you've got guys like Tim Meza, Yimmy Garcia throwing their Anthony Bass, Jordan Romano, the closer, they've all been able to post sub-3-2 ERAs, and then for the Blue Jays, they just have this team completely outgunned in terms of power as Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, Vlager Jr., Boba Shett, Matt Chapman, all have been able to supply at least 19 home runs, and really everyone aside from Chapman has been able to above a 255 flip side for Baltimore. You've had Anthony Santander be able to go deep for this team, 27 home runs, that has been absolutely terrific, and you've got good balance as Cedric Mullins has been able to be the main table setter for this team, hitting about a 265, and then on top of that, you've got guys like Anthony Santander, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Edley Rushman, Austin the Say's kid, Ramon Urias, even someone like a Mr. Vivera, who's a little bit of a young guy that's come up for the team, and Ryan Mountcastle, in between about a 245 to a 260, has been able to get some good power out of Mountcastle with 20 home runs for him this season, and with the Orioles, you do have a great bullpen. With the Toronto Blue Jays, they rank in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA post-All-Star break. Orioles for the season, they rank in the top six in terms of bullpen ERA as well. Cino Perez, Dylan Tate, Felix Batista, Keegan Aiken, Joey Crebio have all been able to supply a sub-3-3 ERA, but I don't have necessarily a lot of faith in Kyle Bradish. Bradish has been able to do an okay job when he's faced off against the Toronto Blue Jays and has been able to lead this team to victory much more recently than at the beginning of the season. Before the All-Star break, it was not great with Bradish, and overall the season has given up 1.5 home runs per nine innings, about 3.4 walks per nine, but just a combined four runs surrendered in his last four starts. Team has won three and one in these starts. One of them did wind up coming against the Toronto Blue Jays, a game which the team wound up trying to give away with the bullpen after he wound up leaving. But overall, four starts against Toronto, 7.27 ERA. 
giving up three home runs and 14 runs over the course of 17 and a third inning. So we're going to be riding with the Toronto Blue Jays under these circumstances. And when it comes to the run line of the Blue Jays, we're finding that around a plus 130. I'm even seeing a straight plus 135. I think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to do a solid job on offense. I like being able to get this plus number. I would rather do that than lay the juice. And I do want to sing my toilet at 8.3 with the way that Padillos has been able to pitch recently along with Bradish. So looking at this 8.5 under and looking at the run line of Toronto, 971, 972. This is going to be the DK Nation pick as the Kansas City Royals are on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Rich Hill goes for the Sox and Brady Singer. Ups have the Red Sox singing the blues as your total on this game is signed. Unders between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs between even and minus 110 for Boston. They're in between minus 150 and minus 155 favorites. Between plus 135 and plus 140 is your number on Kansas City. And I made the Kansas City Royals a slight minus 104 favorite. That is going to be the DK Nation pick. The Royals on the money line. Brady Singer has been nothing short of terrific. And Rich Hill is the oldest active pitcher in the big leagues. And Rich Hill has seen a big, giant diminishment in terms of his strikeout numbers. As he's been getting a little bit over 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. Giving up about 1 home run per 9 innings. And credit where credit is due. Rich Hill has been a tad bit better recently with a 3.96 ERA in his last 5 starts. Closing up. Three wins recorded by him in that time span, giving up just two home runs in that time span as well. But for Rich Hill, 588 home ERA compared to a 360-70 ERA on the road. And he gives up over 1.5 home runs per nine innings at home. And then for Brady Singer, this guy has been just flat-out electric. He did wind up having a couple of rough starts against the Guardians and the Chicago White Sox. But post-All-Star break, Brady Singer has been able to supply a sub-3 ERA for Singer as well. He's been able to do a tremendous job in terms of command. He's given up a little bit over two walks per nine innings, nine strikeouts per nine innings as well. And on the road, he does have his ERA ballooned to a 383 compared to a 287 at home. But still, giving up right around one home run per nine innings when he's on the road, fewer than three walks per nine innings. The fear that you do have with the Royals is this bullpen. It is currently worse in the American League in terms of ERA for the season as Amir Garrett has north of a 5 ERA, Carlos Hernandez, Anthony Bacevich, Luke Weaver, you're able to go down the list of guys that just stink. Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, but past that, it's not been great. But let's go down the list of guys with at least a 5 ERA for the Boston Red Sox as you got Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, Edward Bizzardo. They did have Jurisich Familia, and then they DFA'd him, rightfully so, Caleb Bort. These guys have been terrible. Erdekaz Sadamoto got DFA'd. You got Garrett Whitlock, who's been solid in multiple inning stretches, and John Triber hasn't been too bad, but it's not great, to say the least. And for the Kansas City Royals, a pair of guys with 20-plus home runs in Salvador Perez and Bobby Wood Jr., both hitting in that neighborhood about a 245. And then Vinny Pascantino, he's fresh off the injured list. He's been able to do 255. Michael Massey has done a good job moving the line. He and Michael Taylor, the these two guys, hitting between about a 265 to 275 as bottom of the fold as we able to shape up and for Boston. They do have a little bit of a better overall lineup as J.D. Martinez has had his struggles, but still hitting about a 270 for the season. Christian Royal, Alex Verdugo, Rafael Devers in between a 282-290 and for Mr. Devers, 26 home runs that leads the way as Tommy Pham and Trevor Sori both have between about 16 to 17 home runs and for Tommy Pham ever since he came over to Boston has been hitting about a 260, but I don't have any faith in a Boston Red Sox bullpen that ranks dead last in the big leagues in ERA post-all-star break. 
like. And I think the Brady Singer completely outguns Rich Hill in the circumstance. CK Nation pick going to be on the Royals on the money line. And I set my total at an 8.4 with the way that Brady Singer has been pitching. I think that he's going to come out, give a really good performance. So looking at the Royals with the DK Nation pick on the money line to go along with this total under 973, 974 on the betting board, the Walker Texas Rangers. Head the road face off against the Tampa Bay Rays as 55 shades of John Gray is going to be going for the Rangers. And you've got to be determined on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are determining whether or not they want to utilize Ryan Yarbrough as a bulk guy or as the actual starter, which is why this game is presently off the board. And for Ryan Yarbrough, you do want to take note that when he comes out of the bullpen, his ERA for his career is nearly a full point lower than when he is a starter. So as a starter, I said Ryan Yarbrough as a minus 134 favorite. I'd be willing to make this more like a minus 140 or so. So make a 5 to 7 move if Ryan Yarbrough does have an opener for him and then he winds up coming in off of someone like a Jalen B, something of that nature. And with Ryan Yarbrough, it's been a case where the beginning of the season was not pleasant to him, to say the least. Never has been a guy to go out there, get a whole bunch of strikeouts or anything like that, but those numbers were way down from. But you take a look at Ryan Yarbrough recently, and it's been able to get better for him. Overall for the season, Yarbrough posting up a 438 ERA, and Yarbrough has a 4 ERA at home compared to a 459 on the road. You'd like to see that be a little bit lower at home, giving up just one home run in 27 innings. But for Ryan Yarbrough, in his last four total appearances, because he's only started one of these games, sub-3 ERA, you can tell that with the race, utilizing openers for him, Ryan Yarbrough has been able to pitch better and better against the Texas Rangers. He made one appearance a little bit earlier this season, going six and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs. And then flip side for John Gray, it had been a while since he had started prior to his last appearance against the Miami Marlins. He had been on the injured list for nearly a month and a half, but looked rather electric against the Miami Marlins. Small dosage, but in three and two-thirds innings, gave up one run, punched out five, did not give out a walk. For Gray, I don't think that he's going to be back to his normal usage, but I expect more like five innings, and he has a 384 ERA overall for the season on the road compared to a 366 at home. Now, his walks really balloon when he's on the road. He's been giving out over 3.3 walks per nine innings on the road compared to about two walks per nine innings at home, so a little bit of buyer beware on that, but he has been able to get nearly 10 strikeouts per nine innings as well, but for Texas, you do have two guys, Brock Burke, Matt Moore, that have been tremendous out of the bullpen, but Dennis Satana is north of a five ERA. It has been touch and go with other guys like a Brett Martin and for the Rangers, what you do have with this team, a bunch that is able to go deep for you as Nate Lowe, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, and Corey Seager all have been able to supply at least 23 home runs this season with Seager leading the way with 30, 30 Seager, Simeon, Adelise Garcia in between about a 245 to 255 and Nate Lowe, he's been able to get low with above a 300 batting average, Jonah Hyman's back in the fold and I do like what they've gotten out of one of their highly touted prospects and Josh Jung. He's come up to the big league level. He's hit above a 250. Small sample size, but a lot of buzz around him throughout the season. He's looked good. Bubba Thompson, Leone Tavares, they're inning between about a 275 to a 285. And for the Rays, they do a good job of moving the line as well. Manuel Margot is hitting nearly a 300. Yandy Diaz, 400 on base. And then Wander Franco, coupled with Randy Rosarena, both inning about a 265 with Rosarena, being able to slug out 19 home runs. And Isaac Paredes between 18 and 19 home runs as well. But problem for the Rays is these are the only two guys that are able to give more than 10 home runs for the team. G-Man Choi is at 10 as well as on base. Has really went downhill since the end of the month of June. So been issues there. Tyler Walls, Francisco Mejia have been towards the bottom of the full with Mejia. Inning about a 260 but Walls, Jose Siri, Yu Chang guys like this have not been able to get on base but for the Tampa Bay Rays Bullpen has been superb. Jason Adam, a sub-2 ERA. JT Jorgois, been a little bit shaky since coming off the injured list, but Peter Fairbanks, Jalen Beeks, along with Brooks Raley, 
giving sub-3 ERAs has been good. So I do think that the Rays should be a mid-sized favorite in this circumstance with Yarborough going at them at a minus-134. If he winds up being a little bit more of a bulk, I'd be willing to go a little bit closer to a minus-140. And regardless of if Yarborough starts or is a bulk guy, semi-total at a 7.8, so 7.5 or less, looking at the over 8 or higher to the under. 975-976 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers. They play us to the Chicago White Sox as Johnny Cueto goes for the White Sox. And Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. And the Tigers are underdogs of anywhere between plus 130 and plus 138. And when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, and between minus 145 and minus 155 is the price. 7.5 to 8 is the total on the 8. The under is between minus 120 and minus 120. Over is between even and minus 110 on the 7.5. The over is minus 120 to minus 125. Under is between even and plus 105. And for the Chicago White Sox, set them as a minus 136 favorite. So I'm going to wind up siding with the Detroit Tigers. Johnny Cueto has been doing for regression for a very long time. And perhaps we wound up seeing it in his last start out on the West Coast. As for Cueto... Not a strikeout guy, to say the least, as overall for the season, been getting about six strikeouts per nine innings, actually a tad bit less. And for Cueto, it's actually been magnificent on the road. 230 road ERA compared to a 389 ERA at home, but he's seen his ERA rise to a 425 over the course of his last five starts, and that's because he gave up seven runs, five of which were earned against the Oakland A's. He has not been missing too many barrels, and he's been getting really lucky to get out of it. Now, the one thing Johnny Cueto has done terrific is he's not giving out walks, about two walks per nine innings. So, He's been able to do a good job being able to find the strike zone and daring guys hit it. And with the Detroit Tigers, they just have not been hitting anything all season long. As Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Tucker Barnard, Spencer Torkelson, you're able to go down the line of guys hitting at 220 or lower. Ryan Kreidler, how about him? But you got, do have Riley Green along with Victor Reyes around there. Eric Hossing between about a 252 to 265. Not a lot of power, but Javi Bias has looked better recently. As Bias, 13 home runs entering into Friday and for Javi Baez, over the course of the last three days, he's been with about a 260, which that's a good sign for the Detroit Tigers and the Tigers. They have seen their ERA in the bullpen be about a 470 over the last 35 days. That does rank at the bottom 10 in the big leagues in that time span, but you still have quite a few arms that are reliable as you've had Jose Cicero since coming off the injured list be good. Andrew Chafin, a sub-3 ERA. Gregory Soto still has electrifying stuff, and for Erod, Touch and go with him this season as he wanted to deal with an injury. He had some personal issues pop up in his life as a result. He's got a 450 ERA, 472 home ERA compared to a 426 ERA on the road and has been really a victim of a little bit of bad luck the last few seasons. So this year, a little bit more of it is self-inflicted as he's given up nearly four walks per nine innings to strikeouts per nine rate. That is more in the neighborhood, about seven. So he's had his issues, but certainly Johnny Cueto, I do think is going to get hit quite hard in this circumstance. And for the White Sox, they've got the best road batting average in the league as Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, both hitting above a three iron. Then you've got Andrew Vaughn along with Luis Robert hitting in the neighborhood about a 288 to a 295. And Elvis Andrews says coming over to the Chicago White Sox, he's been hitting above a three iron. But the problem for the White Sox is you don't have a single guy with north of 16 home runs. They rank in the bottom seven in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at bat and a per game basis. The Detroit Tigers, they find themselves in that fold as well, which makes this one a little bit tricky. I take a look at a pair of guys that are very much pitching to contact and not getting a lot of strikeouts, and I do think that there's going to be runs up on the board, especially with the White Sox being a bit hit or miss in terms of the bullpen. I like Liam Hendricks and Kendall Graveman in the 8th and ninth inning, and Jimmy Lambert and Reynaldo Lopez are failed starters who have posted up a sub-3-2 ERA, but certainly the White Sox bullpen has not been too trustworthy. I think that they're going to look to it quite a bit in this circumstance at a plus-136 or greater. One take a shot on the Detroit Tigers, and I 
I'm willing to take this total over, as I said, my total in 8.1, 977-978 was a part of Twins versus Guardians, so we go 979-980 on the betting board. The Houston Astros play OC Oakland A's. Cole Irvin is going to be going for the A's, and Jose Arikidi is on the bump for Houston. Houston is between a minus 260 to a minus 275 favorite, between plus 225 and plus 245 is your number on Oakland, with the total between 7.5 and 8. On the 7.5, the over is minus 115, the under is minus 105. On the 8, the under is any between minus 110 and minus 120, the over is any between even and minus 110 for Oakland. Made them an underdog of plus 237. Being able to get a plus 245, they have just made me an offer I can't refuse. I'm going to be willing to take a shot on Oakland. This number has just gotten a little bit too ridiculous. I recognize Corvin has not been the same pitcher on the road as he has been at home because his home ERA is hovering in the neighborhood of two, and he's been giving up well under a home run per nine innings when he's been at home. Meanwhile, on the road, this balloons quite a bit as he's given up more around 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings as the ERA on the road is right around a 518. So, not great. Opponents are a 288 off of him when he is away from home and 6.30 ERA overall over the course of his last five starts. That is both home and road, but he's been good against the Houston Astros. He's faced the Astros five times, 3.23 ERA, giving up two home runs in 30 and two-thirds innings. That has actually included a few road starts as well, and he's going up against someone in Ose Erikidi that has always been more of a pitcher contact guy and does have significantly better numbers at home than on the road overall. About 7.2, 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings. This season, it's been a little bit more tame. 362 home ERA compared to a 387 ERA on the road, though. His strikeouts per nine rate at home is right around an eight and a half. On the road, it winds up going down to about six, which I find that to be very intriguing. But he's also given up the deep ball at home. Nearly 1.5 home runs per nine innings. And the Oakland A's, they don't have supreme power by any stretch of the imagination. But got a pair of guys that will be able to go yard for this team. As Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, a combined 39 home runs. Murphy's been able to about a 250. And you've had a couple young guys come up and do good work for the Oakland A's. Dermis Garcia has been able to about a 280. Now, got a lot of guys like... Tony Kemp, Bidel Machine, along with Seth Brown, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Jonah Bride. They're only in between about a 225 to a 235. Ramon Laureano has had a lost season as well. But Oakland A's, they entered into this series averaging 4.75 runs per game in the month of September. So they've shaved up a little bit in for the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez is back. And he is back in full force. He's gotten four home runs in his last five games. He had a multi-home run game yesterday. So that is very good to see if you're the Houston Astros. As he's got a four-hundred run base along with those home runs. But Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker. All north of 20 home runs themselves with Altuve and Bregman. Both right around a 375 on base. Kyle Tucker, 27 bombs. He's hitting a 265. Trey Boomo Mancini is hitting about a 250. He's been able to supply 15 plus home runs. Christian Vasquez has been able to move the line as well. But for the Oakland A's, they also do have some solid bullpen pieces. Now, with Sam Mall and A.J. Puck, they're ERAs post also rank have been right around four, but overall for the season, they've been able to do a relatively solid job. Ball's been dealing with a little bit of an ailment, so may not be available in this game. That hurts them a little bit, but also with Cole Irvin, because he doesn't give out a lot of walks, right around two walks per nine innings, that allows him to be able to fill innings, so that means that you don't have to go to guys like Norje Ruiz, Kirby Sneed, and company, and for the Houston Astros, this has been an amazing bullpen all season long. Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, Seth Martinez, Rafael Montero, all posting up a sub-3 ERA. Will Smith, since coming over to the Atlanta Braves, has actually been quite good in his own right as well, and I do think that, once again, Astros should be a relatively sizable favorite, but Cole Irvin has pitched well against the Houston Astros. Being able to get north of a plus 240, I am going to be willing to take it 
with the Oakland A's and what I think is going to be a modest scoring game. Set my total at an 8.1 as I do think that the A's could be able to get a deep ball or two off of Jose Arquiti. So looking at the over and looking at the A's with the big plus price. 981, 982 on the bang board. The LA Angels are going to be playing on the Seattle Mariners as George Kirby goes for Seattle and Shohei Otani is on the bump for the Angels. Rather close to a pick'em game here as the Seattle Mariners are anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 112 and with the Angels. You're going to be getting them anywhere between even money and minus 110. Seven is the total. Overs between minus 110 and minus 125. The unders anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. Did want to say my total is 6.8. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under and with the Angels, I do feel like they should be the minus 120 favorite. I have been so impressed by Shohei Otani this season at what he's been able to do. The reason why I don't think he deserves the MVP is just because Aaron Judge is doing something historic on a team that's going to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, Shohei Otani's team has been having a rough go of it this season, but with Shohei Otani, this is one of the best overall seasons that we have seen from any player ever. I was trying to magnify what it was, but I mean, this is the first time since Babe Ruth that we've seen anyone do what Joey Otani is doing. A 219 home ERA, 296 ERA on the road. The strikeout numbers are ridiculous. If he winds up making two more starts, he's going to get 200 strikeouts this season as overall he's been able to get a little bit over 11 punch outs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is about 2.2. His home runs per nine rate is below one. This has been just an amazing season for him in his two starts against Seattle. He's given up two runs in 12 innings. And for George Kirby, credit where credit is due for him. His command is tremendous. About 1.2 walks per nine innings as for Mr. George Kirby, he's got a 286 road ERA compared to a 308 home ERA, so he's actually been better on the road, giving up four home runs in 50 and a third innings when he has been away from Seattle in three starts against Los Angeles. He's got about a three ERA against him as well, giving up just one home run in that time span. No question, Seattle has a leg up in the bullpen. Ever since the beginning of the month of July, they and the Cleveland Guardians have been 1-2 in terms of bullpen ERA. Got all these guys, Andres Munoz, Paul Seawall, Eric Swanson, Pam Murphy posting up a sub-3 ERA. Diego Garcia has been a little bit of an adventure, but Matt Brash, since he's been back with the team in a bullpen capacity, has been terrific. And then for the LA Angels, you've been able to get some guys coming out of the bullpen that have been younger that have been able to supply good innings as well. Andrew Wants a sub-3 ERA. Jose Cuiata, he's been a little bit hit or miss recently, but overall has been able to lend some solid innings. Jimmy Herget, I love what he's able to do. He's able to give you a 255 ERA, so it's been better for the LA Angels. And when it comes to the LA Angels, they've got a good top of the full, the bottom of the full, when you wind up getting into less than trustworthy bats like a Joe Adele, a lot of the backup catchers like Kurt Suzuki. It has been far from tremendous, but Otani, I mentioned a little bit earlier, along with Mike Trout, they've been able to supply a combined 69 home runs. You've got Otani, Taylor Ward, Luis Ranifo in between a 265 to a 271, and then Mike Trout, he's hitting a 280 as well. Flip side for the Seattle Mariners, they've actually got the lowest batting average in the American League post-All-Star break, but with the Seattle Mariners, what you do also have is a trio of guys that will be able to supply at least 23 home runs as Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez, and Eugenio Suarez have been able to do that. Now with Raleigh, he's only in about a 205. Guys like Dylan Moore, Abraham Toro just have had a tough time moving the line. It's been a season to forget for Jesse Winker, but Ty France, he's hitting a 275 into Rodriguez. More on a 280. You've had Enio Suarez provide a 335 on base. And Sam Eggerty starting to get more at bats. He's hitting a 285 as well. I just think that Joey Otani going to continue to be absolutely masterful for the LA Angels. I think that this is going to be a good pitcher's duel, but I think that Otani lends length, shuts down a Mariners team that's had a tough time moving the line. So, made the Angels minus 121 favorites. So, looking at the Angels to go along with this total under, as I said, it at a 6.8. And we wrap things up with 983, 984 on the bang board. 
the New York Yankees. They're in the road face-off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the crew, and Jamison Dion goes for the Yankees, and the Yankees are in between minus 110 to plus 108 underdogs, and with the Brewers finding them as good as minus 110, as bad as minus 118, 7F is the total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120. The over is between even and minus 110, and when it comes to the crew, I set them as minus 126 favorites. With Brandon Woodruff, he has been tremendous since coming off the injured list, has given up three runs of fear in all but one of his starts since the end of June when he did come off the injured list. That was that outlier against the Arizona Diamondbacks and has truly done his best work at home. In Milwaukee, a 230 ERA, given up seven home runs in 58 Eight and two-thirds innings, and his strikeouts per nine rate has been over 11 when he's been at home. Meanwhile, on the road, this winds up going to a 433. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, Jamison Tyon has been able to get the team to victory, but he's also been posting up a 394 ERA. Command has been there for Tyon all season long. Fewer the two walks per nine innings, about 1.6, 1.5-ish walks per nine innings. He gets about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but 421 road ERA, 372 home ERA. He's given up on the road about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Opponents are going to get about a 240 off of him when he is on the road, but for Jamison Tyon, backed up by a little bit of a better bullpen, and both bullpens certainly were up and active on Friday with Frankie Montas and Adrian Hauser both having given up three runs by the end of the second inning, but for the Yankees, you do have Ron Menanakio, Clay Holmes, who's been a little bit touch-and-go, Wani Peralta, Lucas Lutke, providing sub-three ERAs, and Devin Williams might actually be the best bullpen piece of either team in this game. Sub-two ERA, he has been electrifying Brian Boxberger, a three ERA as well, and Peter Strzelski has not been terrible for the team, but Brent Suter, OB Milner, guys like this, not too tremendous, so you have to take a look at length. I do think that Brandon Woodruff has by far the leg up when it comes to both of these starters, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, you've had a trio of guys be able to slug out at least 25 home runs this season as Hunter Renfro, Rowdy Tellez, Willie Adamas, all in that neighborhood. Problem for the Brewers has been a lot of these home runs have been solo home runs for Adamas. Fortunately, his home run was a three-run shot yesterday, but you've got Christian Yelich, Hunter Renfro, along with Colton Wong, both hitting about a 248 to a 260, and then Jace Peterson has been able to about a 255 as well, but the rest of the team has had a tough time being able to get online, and for the New York Yankees, they have been all sorts of banged up, which has led to Aaron Judge hitting in the leadoff spot, and he has a chance at the triple crown this season. It has been a magnificent season. Isaiah Canerfa-Leffa hitting about a 270, Glaber Torres, Jose Trevino hitting between about a 245 to a 255 with Torres, supplying nearly 20 home runs, John Carlos Sin and Josh Donaldson need to improve their batting averages of a t- sub-230, but Santa has been able to slug out 26 home runs. Donaldson has the power in the bat as well. For the Yankees, though, I just think that they're going to have a tough time being able to get to Brandon Woodruff with all the injuries in the lineup. Now, for the Yankees, they've been able to do a much better job on offense as they have scored now 5-plus runs and I believe something like 8 out of their last 13 games, so... Things are looking up, and they entered into the game on Friday in two in their last 10, but I do think that Brandon Woodruff going to be the stopper to that streak. I set the Brewers minus 126, so looking at the crew on the money line, semi-total is 7.3 with how the Yankees are so banged up with their lineup and the way that Woodruff has been pitching, so looking at the under as well, and that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. Big thanks to Ben Wilson over at VEASAN, and just a tremendous play-by-play voice. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. 
Uh, the rate is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, terrible fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, via that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.